0: dance music scene essentially was created by black and queer people this is the telecom electronic
1: beats podcast the podcast for music culture and the new now Um, Hello, I'm Lindy Delight, and you are listening to a new episode of our ongoing Electronic Beats podcast series. Today, we are speaking with Sherelle. So, Sherelle, welcome. How are you?
0: I'm really good, thank you. Um, Today is uh, Beyonce Day, uh, and also I, Jordan Day, as they've both released music today. So I'm feeling very happy and very jubilant, because today in the UK, for once, it's sunny. So... Seems like a really good time. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm also great. I'm, I'm in Croatia at the moment, no um, just working from here with the sun and everything. So yeah, Yay. quite nice. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you made a huge, huge impact uh, with your sets online. How crucial do you feel that streaming is for new DJs, especially around this like new pandemic period, or sorry, post-pandemic period?
0: Yeah. To be honest with you, it was all an accident anyway, <laughs> in, some, in some weird regard. Um I actually originally... Like, my background was actually originally in photography and video work. Right. And to be very specific, I was actually working as a part of a video team that would film the live streaming for MixMag. So oh, wow. the DJing side for me was like, a, you know, something I did on the side. And because of the music that I was, like, playing at the time, at least anyway, it didn't feel like it was within the mainstream. So I mm-hmm. just was like down with my niche all this kind of stuff but the viral moment as it were and how that kind of I don't know took off really really quickly um it is very integral for people to you know get into streams and stuff like that you just never know when you could get lucky basically um which that's basically essentially what happened to me so I got very lucky in that (laughs) in that moment was surrounded by like a lot of amazing friends a lot of like you know female and non-binary energy within that in that Moment and it, it yeah it just it kind of popped off so I, I definitely recommend it um, don't put too much pressure on it uh, you know I've had other streams prior to that that uh, you know did really well but didn't do the same amount of numbers uh, as that one did um, so don't put too much pressure on yourself but it's always really good
1: to get your name out there and put like a face in the name essentially fantastic. So you know that, you know, we've hoped for a big reset of the scene after the pandemic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for a while, it looked like everything would change. But now we're seeing that it's looking quite similar to before. You know, some of the fees, of course, are (laughs) getting a bit higher. The entrances to festivals are getting a bit more expensive. But we're seeing in different parts of the world, even in London, that we're seeing the clubs and some of the festivals becoming a bit more empty. Yes. What are your thoughts on this?
0: It's a hard period for everyone. Um, I'm in a fortunate kind of group of people who managed to still maintain, well, I was able to still work basically throughout that period. I, don't get me wrong, I wasn't making much at all, but I was fortunate enough to have savings at that time. There are other people that were not in that same situation. We lost a lot of clubs, a lot of promoters, all this kind of stuff. And I think it's going to take a, a while for clubs and festivals to kind of get back on their feet. There was that mad rush. when. Uh, individually each country went back to normality as it were that massive rush where everyone was at every single festival every single uh, party um and then now we're finding obviously with rising costs everywhere there's not you know at the moment in the uk train drivers and a lot of other workers within that that field are striking today because obviously their pay hasn't gone up uh due to like inflation and yeah, it's, 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 it's very troubled times in the UK, but I know that that's happening for a lot of places in and around the world, that you do have to kind of make a choice if you're a fan, if you're going to go to a festival and be able to have enough disposable income to go to it, or as a promoter, are we going to be able to put on this party and be able to book this DJ X, Y, and Z? I just think it's a very hard time that because of the club scene wasn't necessarily supported by government, mm-hmm. they're having to pick up the pieces and they've obviously enjoyed like i said that first rush that initial rush that everyone wanted to get out and go to places but unfortunately every single person is suffering a lot with like energy bills or food bills yeah. or if you drive a car you've got this petrol so there's a lot of different places that people are Bad putting terms. their money into i think yeah. uh, which annoyingly if clubs and musicians entertainment industry was helped a little bit more these these factors probably wouldn't be necessarily an issue today but they but they are yeah absolutely
1: so I know during the pandemic, I learned a bit about you where you had decided to start producing music. Yes. 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 And how are you finding <laughs> your career different now between you know the time before when you were more DJing and now when you're producing music?
0: It's a weird one, really, because I the time off or forced time off was a thing for me to be able to try and at least learn some form of skill. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I was trying to learn a language, but I can't retain any information whatsoever. So um, <laughs> I, I'm desperately still trying to do that. So that's like an ongoing thing. Okay. But production seemed like a, a, a much easier thing to get into because I hear all these like sounds in my mind anyway, but just never really knew how to do it. Um, my partner at the time, LCY, they uh, helped me out with that and, explain the basics essentially of how to go about it and once they did that because they're an amazing producer themselves it just kind of clicked and I was able to make a bunch of stuff um, which led to obviously the 160 down the A406 EP mm-hmm. um, and that was you know largely around not wanting I don't know I wanted people basically to hear that tune and one uh, basically not expect for me to make a tune like jungle techno essentially Mm -hmm. jungle techno being a first tune i think would have potentially detrimented like my own openness with like music and stuff but i wanted to show Mm -hmm. a softer side purposely because if anyone's gone to my sets um they know that they're they're quite hard and they they, you know go from one place to another from jungle to hardcore to rave inspired you know 160 Mm. you know bpm sounding music so it was a really nice chance basically to be able to show a different side of myself. And I'm still producing, or obviously Yeah, still producing now. I'm sitting on a bunch of stuff, but I didn't want to release on the basis of just releasing. Yeah. I think at the moment there's a lot of pressure for any person in the entertainment industry to constantly be putting out content. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to suddenly be a part of that chasing game of I must put out music because I haven't put out music for X, Y, and Z time. And for me, I'm very precious about how the general package of what the sound actually is like. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very freeing thing, production. And I've, I've managed to, even though I've been touring loads, uh, to produce, again, more, more bits, which now, in my head, what I want to do with it, um, I've got now down more lots in. Uh, that didn't make any sense. That my plan for <laughs> releasing music, I want to do more of a longer form project, basically. Now I've got that plan locked in, is what I meant to say. I'm looking forward to basically
1: releasing music in, in that form, in in that sense. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, how important is London for you? And do you have any like cool musical memories about growing up in London?
0: London is extremely important for me. Uh, it's really a blessing to have been born here, especially because. Again, going back to the current state of the world, or, you know, at least um, with with regards to like cities and living in cities and working as a musician in cities, because I am from London, I'm able to, if, you know, God forbid I lose all money, I can just go back to my mum's house and stay there. But I know other people don't necessarily have that pleasure. So London is such a melting pot, basically, where there's so much different cultures and people that you're able to meet you're influenced by so many different sounds there's so many genres anyway that started here you constantly are thinking basically about like what the next new thing is and not for me at least anyway not in a way of like i must jump on the next new thing that's that's not what it's about it's more to do with how can i expand my sound and it's been a very beautiful thing to be from london and then take in other sounds such as you know uh my massive love for the sh- chicago and like taking that in on a, on a UK, European basis, if that makes sense. London is very integral to like my sound. That jungle is obviously uh, a sound that developed a lot here. So yeah. very, very fortunate. Not necessarily always proud of, uh, <laughs> of uh, being from the UK, but uh, London is one of those places I think I, I can be proud of because there's just so many different types of people uh, yeah. here in, in which you, you can be. definitely
1: and tell me this like how did you discover and then essentially fall in love with jungle and footwork
0: jungle has always been uh it's very much always been there especially within like the background of it all because obviously it's lineages are like via like jamaica and stuff like that and and whatnot and jamaican um part dominican republic which i found out a lot later in my life but um i think that that sound has always been very it's just made sense uh, early Memories, obviously, which is like something I always say, uh, you know, hearing it in, in the car with like family members. Renegade Snares, which is like almost like a pro rata, j- jungle, drum and bass kind of tune. That one's like always stayed with me. Just people like Shy FX, obviously, are like super important, integral, especially the way he's like crafted out his like career and stuff. With regards to like footwork, that was all very, very sporadic, actually. You know, it was like I was listening to one tune by DJ Nate mm-hmm. uh, at one point, And that came from a website called Record Label where you could download the tune for free. Um, and that's like in the blog eras. And then at one point also listening to, you know, a mix by Machine Drum from Mixmag and that featured Footwork and Jungle and how to basically put them together. So that's still very much a staple of how I lay out my own sets until the, you know, the, 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 the actual moment where it was like the, you know, penny dropped. For me where I was just watching the uh, DJ Rashad boiler uh, room and hearing all of the various different sounds, hearing samples that I deeply love like Brighter Days. It just all made sense really. The footwork allowed me to understand Jungle more okay. and appreciate that more. Yeah that makes sense. Um, and it's been a long journey uh, pairing the two together to create the kind of sounds that I like to basically play out and stuff, and it's it's a privilege to be able to be a part of and be you know in the crowd that is leading these sounds a lot more to maybe you know be in the mainstream and just stay, not to mm-hmm. blow up and you know all of a sudden we're like in the top 40, which is not a bad thing, but like I think it's more to just show people that these are sounds and people can be booked on the basis of these sounds, mm-hmm. and it's a normal thing. We don't always have to yeah, be... Like the space for it. Yeah, exactly. We don't always have to have music, which is only 100 BPM to 140, 145, basically. It's like a whole sound and spectrum above 150, which is just so interesting and I think is going to continue to influence other, other sounds and music, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Drum and bass music was founded by, you know, the black sound system culture in the UK. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the new generation of clubbers are aware of this?
0: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it's, it's a bit funny. No. Um, I think yeah. when it's mentioned, people get really uh, tense about it. It's like, oh, but the, you know, because with regards to drum and bass and jungle, these these, these are communities essentially. And it's, you know, all, right. all, all, everyone coming together on a junglist hit like a lot of people, the beautiful thing about jungle was that there were white people and black people dancing with each other in these raves. But predominantly, it was you know black people in these raves. The beautiful thing again was that you know there were a group of black people who were taking in this form of dance music, but they would have never have maybe liked other sounds uh, before. So it's just a beautiful thing to recognise that. But for some people, I think they got uncomfortable because a lot of the big drum and bass stars and acts are predominantly white and there you know it was a large whitewashing element with jungle they obviously taking out like the rather samples out of it making it more uh you know uh, clean and obviously things progress and, you know there's progressions in sounds and stuff but it definitely things that are happening in the uk like shutting down the raves in the first place any form of black sound in the uk the police absolutely love to shut it down if it's taking off and people are having a good time and people are <laughs> uniting um you know you, we see it with you know, garage we we'll see it with grime, we we'll see it with drill, and this this primarily is the reason why people don't necessarily recognise drum and bass being of 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 black origin. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I know as well. You know, in the nineties, the drum and bass scene already had you know its own female superstars like Chemistry, rest in peace, yeah. and Storm and DJ Rap. Yeah. And as a genre, you know, it was quite well balanced. And I totally agree with you. Like, fast forward now to twenty twenty two, and obviously the landscape is completely different.
0: Oh, yeah. But the beautiful thing is, is that there's, you know, big old queers like myself and like the first jungle MC, uh, MC Chickaboo that are making sure that, you know, actually there's uh, still representation like that. People, you know, like her in the archives, uh, there's plenty of people that are aware of what's going on and now want to change it and make sure that we are having conversations like this to remind people and educate people, I think. There's no way that scenes can progress, or uh, you can call yourself a true lover of music if you're not aware of where the lineages and obviously the origins of these these musics are, you know, come from. And you know, I get annoyed when people go, "Oh, you know, music is not political," and it's like there's history of literally every political movement having that that song or that moment or these genres being a part of it. And it is but it's a very political thing. Music um, really it really helps. I don't know. Cement, solidify ideas, really, and, and actually, you know, prop people up to actually, you know, go go at picket lines and making sure that you know sh- we're not taking any, I don't know, shit. Do you know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's that. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on that, and I hope to be one of the people being part of making sure that people are aware of Black musical history in that sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. You mentioned this already, but you know, what is you know what's your view on music and politics? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a place for politics or does it veer kind of too far away from what our scene was built on?
0: Oh, no, because everything is like so polit- Dance music scene essentially was created by Black and queer people, mm-hmm. especially Black queer people. It's like, the way I see myself, I, I see myself as almost like a apolitical figure. I can't just wake up and turn off my skin tone, wear yeah. a dress, can't turn off the, the, the gayness, <laughs> the queerness even, do you know what I mean? It's like, Things like that, where it's like, I'm going to go outside and I could, I could bump into someone and I could potentially be judged. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lo- lovely people that won't even flinch, they won't even think about that idea. But music is intrinsically political because I think, mm-hmm. if you think about the fact that there had been young black boys making Jungle back in the day, and then how they would have been viewed when going to the raves and going to their sets, uh, the young black uh, uh, people uh, making um, Footwork, within like the South side of Chicago and stuff like that and whatever. And then knowing what is going on within the South side of Chicago and like, say for instance, like gun violence and and gang violence there, they're essentially finding different ways to kind of be outside of, outside of the world that they they live in. Mm. But again, their their own being is very political because, you know, they go outside, they are viewed as a, as a, as a, a black person and they could easily, you know, be, Uh, uh, you know unfortunately have some issues with police or Mm -hmm. people treating them in in a really disrespectful way because of you know where where they're from I even went when I went to Chicago I didn't even realize that there was such a separation and I was in the north side Mm -hmm. I didn't even get to go to the south side because I only had one day but it would be really nice to go to make sure that obviously like knowing exactly where this music comes from and where the roots are it, it yeah it's like very integral but yeah to to answer very shortly yeah. yeah. Music is extremely political and I think especially if you are uh, a person of colour, mm-hmm. it very much is so and is a is a, is a tool uh for you to to extend your voice further to, to others, basically.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to whitewashing, you know, whitewashing of our scene and some of the various music genres, like how important do you think it is for you to, you know, set the record straight of the history of our culture?
0: Yeah, and I love I love shutting that shit down. Yeah. It's nice to, to make sure that <laughs> yeah. uh, if you see anything like that, then, yeah, you, you shut it down and stuff. It's um, often you get have these really odd conversations that afters. Um, I just drink, so that's why it's like almost like it's even worse when you're just there drinking and everyone else around you is so adamant because then they might be on other recreational uh, things. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have these weird conversations with people and you realise, like, actually how different people take the music scene in. And people are so adamant about very particular DJs being the forefathers of certain music. Uh, you notice a lot of people don't necessarily want to give props to the likes of like Kevin Swanson or all of you know his hard work and how much he's influenced scenes. You know, using the, you know like the re-space. His his work has reese in the first place anyway. A lot of his work in history is just not propped up enough, in my opinion. And he's spoken about it as well. Uh, luckily, as. To via like I believe another platform, but like it's very integral to put the record straight about how things have been whitewashed, and then be able to right. prove how they've been. And I think there's artists, the new generation of artists that I'm a part of, my contemporaries, are very happy and willing to do that because if someone doesn't, who's going to? <laughs> it's going to get to a point where you know, like you know, all of this history is going to, to suddenly go missing. Yeah. Right. And I think even outside of music, we we recognise that a lot of history to do uh, with Black people or people uh, other, other people of colour has ra- miraculously gone missing mm-hmm. with regards to like lineages and all this kind of stuff and whatever. So I just think it's an inherent thing within a Black or, or, or POC person to want to make sure that people are very aware of where they come from. I think also yeah. as well, my time in Australia allowed me to recognise like, how important it is to document stuff, because the First okay. Nations people
1: yeah. out there
0: obviously it's their country they documented so much that could have gone missing that when you do mm-hmm. go to the museums I, went, I was, went to the Melbourne Museum and it wasn't even uh, There's was more history I could have read up on it or there's more history I could have taken at that time But when going to that museum and seeing how atrocious and, and, and catastrophic their, their, their erasure has been and then almost calculating that back to like say for instance my own lineage especially mm-hmm. within like the Caribbean and stuff and being like it's very important to, to to really pinpoint uh you know where you come from what's happened, and yeah to let the future generations know too because it's very important for them and their own being basically yeah.
1: Yeah. I was actually at um at a talk, I guess it was late last year, where yeah. Lakuti was speaking to DeForest Brown, the mm-hmm. the author and mm-hmm. journalist. And Lakuti was saying, you know, that we have all these venues and cultural spaces where they're you know, and these festivals that are booking so many artists that they should really start dedicating areas of the venues. To really teaching people about the artists, the history of the artists that are playing, yeah. the history of the music that are yeah. that's being played at these at these festivals. And that could be a way to be um, educating the next generation because we really do have space to do that.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. But it just depends whether the promoter is going to sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, I've already booked them. So <laughs> and, that, and that's and that's and that's sometimes the thought process that is that is like, I've done my job. Yeah. Though. I've, I've booked you and I've booked your friend and I've booked yeah. this person. Whereas actually it's mm-hmm. like no you're, that that's a, that, you know Lucie saying um, that there should be dedicated areas to talk about the history of of dance music yeah absolutely I mean in the UK it kind of would it work it depends on the festival we our festivals mm-hmm. are not laid out in the same way as other European festivals where it's almost like the space is treated more like an art form whereas sometimes yeah. UK festivals is very much like how many drinks yeah <laughs> uh, where's the food where's the food courts all this kind of stuff it's very much a green field
1: yeah it's not done maybe like maybe it. sometimes,
0: I... yeah are you gonna say the same thing
1: <laughs> almost yeah but you know we should yeah. maybe create some kind of installation or like activation that can yeah.
0: be set be, up yeah that's that <laughs> those things like that are, that yeah. would, they, they, that obviously would make uh, sometimes uk festivals in terms of their layout a lot more interesting but yeah going going to places like you know going over in france or, or germany and seeing maybe how the, there's a difference in the way that festivals are like laid out and even uh you know smaller other parts of uh say for instance like europe it depends on the festival and hopefully the hopefully people have listened to to say for instance that talk were at that talking about now but incorporate that in their own festivals and i think the independent festivals are more likely to do that because the Commercialisation and maybe the money aspect is uh Yes. Not there, and I think that is some. That's sometimes the issues with, with festivals. I think that they want to make sure that they are they are catering for everyone, but it it, it depends who that everyone really is for. Mm-hmm. Really, so yes.
1: You're totally right. And electronic music was more underground in the past, but we're also seeing it's becoming like a multi-billion-dollar business. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's not so unusual to see like artists as well that are being used to like sell products, you know, from shoes to bags to cars, and really to like for like huge multinational companies. Like, how do you feel about this? And do you feel like the culture is being exploited in a way?
0: I feel actually, it's actually a really good question. As someone who has been in uh, campaigns before for I did a, I've done a campaign for Nike and I've done a recent campaign alongside Levi's. I actually hear what you're saying with regards to how it can be viewed as, like, exploitation. Mm-hmm. I always try and work with people if I feel like, if this is a great opportunity to make sure that I can talk about, uh, say, for instance, m- my musical backgrounds and origins, all this kind of stuff, I'm more than happy mm-hmm. to do that and uh, get... get uh, get my face out there for for, for that reason I find that depending on your take on things obviously you could potentially find it inspirational to see another DJ who you would not maybe expect to see in these campaigns do campaigns Mm. like that I however know for a fact that there's been other there's I know people who have definitely done things and they've been like no they, they, they 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 were brass basically because they asked for this this and this and actually they didn't really care about what who I was, they just wanted like my face almost, or the fact that I had some clout and all this kind of stuff. So right. I think depending on the brand, it can work. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a lot of other brands. I'm not I'm not an influencer, but I would be upset mm-hmm. if someone was talking to me has if I was one. Irregardless of the social medias, I'm gonna be a DJ first and foremost. So if all yeah. social media basically imploded and we lost everything I actually have, uh, uh, you know, my, my job is a, a DJ and, like, label owner and, like, you know, radio, radio presenters as, as such. So it's like I've still got something there, if
1: that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's like creating a sustainable career.
0: Yeah. And then I think that's when yeah. it does become exploitive because then it's almost like it depends on the act as well. Like, is the act there for fame? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like it's uh, if both are exploiting each other for the basis of... Likes and follows and all this kind of stuff, then obviously that can be quite troubling too. Because I, there is a quite a few people within the scene, I think, or a few groups, or or, or or few like yeah, uh, labels, you name it, that do tend to jump on things, and it's on a clout basis kind of vibe, which is not is not my bag at all. Because I just think if you're not really in it for the music first and foremost, and you're more in it for the fame, or that shit kind of. Uh, Triples, triples down and out eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like a flame almost. It's like really big. And then obviously, if you just blow it out, then what do you really have? What do you really have left essentially?
1: Yeah, I get it. I guess it kind of comes to like the root cause of like the intention, yes. I, the intention of the brand and the intention of the artist, and making sure as an artist that you're keeping your integrity. But I really like that you say, you know, if you if you have a platform with you know one of, with one of these big multinational companies, and you're able to also tell your story and bring and and bring more awareness to yeah, projects yeah. you're working on and causes that are really important to you. This is absolutely the the great solution.
0: It's a great solution, but you know, it's very rare. Like Some of the people mm-hmm. I've mentioned, like, so like I said, uh, I did one with Nike, I've done one with Levi. I've done, I've worked with, uh, say, for instance, New Balance. And in each one of those ones, I was able to discuss me as a DJ and what I do. That in itself is is really rare, that, that you're mm-hmm. able to basically tell a story. Because I know, like I said, from other people who have done other campaigns with others, they don't want the story. They just see your followers, and they just, they just go from there. But is it, is, can these brands be exploitive? Absolutely. I'm not gonna sit here and Jimmy you know and try and protect or <laughs> anything. I've got nothing to protect. Yeah. At the end of the day I'm yeah. here to DJ and that's it. It's it's, it's an yes. added but it's an added bonus to be able to do all <laughs> these like obviously like cool stuff. But mm. absolutely can be exploitive because I think they know as well that a lot of people at the time needed the money. Especially if we're talking okay. about a COVID era. So yes. yeah, but it's a it's a balance of many a different thing and hopefully yeah mm-hmm. I don't know, people hearing my answer can yeah, gauge and work out. Great question though. That's actually, you're the first person that's asked me a question like that and I think it's, we should be more open about things like this, I think.
1: Thank you for being open to answering it like that. Yeah. And so kind of on this note, like how important, how essential do you think it is for young artists in the industry to really take control of their careers and control of their own narratives?
0: Very important because people can be bastards. Um, Basically, Mm -hmm. like you need to make sure that, you know, you're surrounded by people that are not trying to exploit you not trying to take advantage of you in in any form of a sense you need to I would definitely say my top num- my number one advice is definitely take your time because I mean, I've got many examples of why taking your time is the best time I first did production at age 26 uh-huh. 26 is when I first did, started working on or 6 time is just is it's moved on so quickly since COVID. I can't even remember
1: how old I was. Um, <laughs> it's like they just disappeared those 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 years. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. basically.
0: Um, 25, <laughs> 26, basically, is yeah. when I would have done 160 down for a six. And that's like, you know, you hear, overhear people making music from the age of like 10 or something, mad like that. Do you know what I mean? So take your time um, with things. You know, the room didn't pop off until 24, 25. So it was only a year after covid like, yeah, COVID happened a year after my bullying. So there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong in that time, but it didn't because I took my time with things in order to make sure yeah. that they were, like, ready and, and okay. And I think it's also about knowing your voice. Like, why are you yeah. going into music? My main goal and ethos always was the reason why I'm going into music and I want to make sure that people are aware of certain things within my scene and, and the sound that I play is because I think that not many people take it seriously about how amazing... Jungle and footwork is luckily we're now you know living in a time where people actually are more into it and love hearing the sounds now um you know it's a like I'm going to Glastonbury basically uh this week this week it's exciting very exciting because one of the stages I'm playing which is the icon stage is like a very renowned stage uh for for just having amazing music and to be able to bring the sounds of footwork and jungle to that stage, knowing that mm-hmm. they usually have house or techno and stuff. And I'm like a closing set on a Sunday. So um, I think I am the last set of, wow. one of the last sets of Glastonbury, basically. It's very uh, humbling to be, yeah. you know, in, in that position. So I I think, yeah, my advice is more to take time and really find your sound and, and trust your sound. You know, There's a lot of people telling me that I shouldn't be playing footwork or jungle because it's like, you know, no one plays jungle anymore because it obviously is a jungle from the 90s and no one uh, listens to footwork anymore because, um, unfortunately, obviously, out of passed, so they had their time and now it's gone. Well, is You can kind of prove otherwise at this point, do you know what I mean? There's it's so much amazing footwork being made, there's so much amazing jungle music being made that I'm glad I didn't listen to any of those people, to be honest with you. It's- Oh, no, me too. Wouldn't <laughs> going be, be, be speaking to you, do you know what I mean? It's one, it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> you know, having a really nice time and, like, generally enjoying life now because I've been more sure about myself. So
1: that's the main yeah. advice I would say. Yeah, and staying authentic, yeah.
0: <gasps> God, yes, because trust me when I say this, I've, I've worked with people and, you know, been f- formally, uh, you know, friends with people and stuff, and they, they, some people's attitudes have changed towards like why they got into it in the first place because when you start getting free guest lists free free drinks and all these various different other stuff that kind of come with the package of obviously being within the music industry and stuff you're like oh yeah and you kind of get lost within the, the kind of socializing source of it all and like where you where your standings are within the scene and all this kind of stuff and that's and it's not yeah fuck me it's not what it's about because otherwise if you keep thinking about it you should get tired I've, I'm tired as it is already going around to like various different places <laughs> and it's like super fun going to like all these amazing like cities and stuff. But I, God forbid, I couldn't, I couldn't be on that kind of wavelength of like, where's my social standing within the, the, the music community and how can I get bigger and all this kind of, it's just, it's just madness. It just has to happen authentically. It has to happen organically. Um, and if it, if it, yeah, if you only rise more, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, it's a hard scene to be in anywhere. There's so much shit you have to deal with, so you might as well make that that time fun uh, (laughs) by being yourself. Busy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Totally on the same page with that. Yeah. So I want to go back to the music a little bit. Um, Can you tell us about your DJ group Six Figure Gang?
0: (gasps) Yes, I can. Um, So we obviously managed to do like a lot of amazing things within the time that we were all together. Um, But that group basically came about because majority, like all of us were basically friends at the time within our like respective fields and stuff. And it was really lovely moment to have with all of the, say for instance, people within it. And it's nice to have seen where everyone has kind of gone since then. Um, Very rare thing, uh, an an all-female non-binary group to play bass music and go from, the spectrum of like you know uh what's the lowest song that we did or like lowest BPM? I'm trying to think. I think our lowest BPM would have been like 1 5, one one fifteen or something, and then all the way find find our way towards the end of the set at like one seven eight or something, mad like that, basically. So, because all of us had an amalgamation of different sounds in which lent so well into each other, we were able mm. to. Do such amazing things in that time. It's sad, obviously, that it's it's no longer uh, a thing. But indiv- individually, each member, yeah, individually, everyone is basically smashing it, really, which is like super mm-hmm. nice. And it's nice to be able to still keep in contact with majority majority of the group and stuff like that. Because sadly, because of um, you know, shit that went down between myself and another another artist, that kind of led to how why potentially the group just basically had to first went on hiatus and then basically mm-hmm. ended essentially. So yeah, looking looking forward to seeing basically everyone out for festival season and stuff like that. And just like, what is it? Fucking amazing moment in time basically. It's just it's sad it ended the way it did, but it's an amazing, amazing moment in time and I'm really happy and hope that it has influenced uh people to to do similar things, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean it needs to be more groups like that for sure. Yeah.
1: And you never know, like after time passes, you don't, you don't really know what will happen in the future. And sometimes maybe we might look forward to a reunion of some kind. Some sort in of the like far future. Spice, some, some Spice Girls uh, <laughs> aspect yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And Us rolling in
0: on a on a, like a taxi and bedazzled uh, mics and uh, bedazzled yeah. uh, DJ, DJ <laughs> booths and all this Let's kind see. of stuff. Yeah, fingers crossed. It would have to... It would have to I don't know when it would be. I think it'd be it'd be really nice to if we were to ever rekindle something mm. and depending obviously on like what like what members and, and and whatnot, it'd be really nice to do something at a festival to to, to be able to have that fun again because it was fun and it was really
1: yeah
0: really kept you on your toes. Shit. All the time yeah. you'd be jumping up and down, going, Oh my god, I can't believe they brought in this song. You're like, how am I gonna how am I gonna it's so a really it's a bit it was a big old thrill seek basically. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, bring on bring on the Spice Girls reunion at some point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's see. Um, before we start talking about your your next project, yes. I would really like to talk about Hoover Sound. Yes. So what made you start? What made you co-start that label?
0: So myself and Nano basically met at Represent, became really good friends there. But we did a back to back at Brixton Academy where we were for we were basically able to support Prodigy. So Prodigy reached out to Represent Radio, which was which is based in Brixton, and they were like, "We're going to give some. We're going to give you some free uh, slot spaces, like opening spaces to nice. open for us." So who are the people that can open for us at our radio station? And then the station manager Adrian uh, Newman, he was like, "Nana, Cheryl," and then basically put us together, and um, worked out for the best really because we did that back to back. It was amazing. Uh we were like really happy just to be playing in there in the first place. And then, you know, there was no one there for the first 15 minutes. And we were just, you know, going, wow, we're on a stage at Brixton Academy. This is amazing. <laughs> and then uh-huh. out of nowhere, they just like the doors opened. And there was this floods of people that ran into the middle and it just filled out within like five minutes. It was, it was the uh-huh. wildest thing I think I've ever seen. Cause it's like people just running to the front. they heard all the rave music going on and stuff. And We were just having such a good time. It was the maddest thing. And we got on the mic, we said hello. It was, yeah, just a really strange um, experience. But essentially, because of that, we started to the sound because we realised that we had similar tastes in music. We just want to kind of fuck up some shit, like put some really interesting stuff out there. Because we think it's really integral that, the scene doesn't become so sanitised that we hear the same sounds over and over again. Mm-hmm. It was a bold statement for us, at least with the first release, which features uh, hieroglyphics and cinestar to have something that's so left field, or at least be left field for like a lot of people. For us, that's just normal sounding music. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're yeah, just yeah. the kind of shit we always want in a set, do you know what I mean? So we want to at least with the Hoover sound uh, tracks and stuff to, to make statements. Uh, you know, you can make statements via Novacek's uh, EP, which is, you know, fuck.gov, f- f- uh, which is pretty self-explanatory. Or we can have the amazing sounds of like uh, Samurai Breaks, um, you know, who just does turbo so well, basically. So yeah, Hoover sound came about like that and, we're just excited to be releasing more stuff. Prayers just come out recently. Um, we've got another release coming up imminently after, which we hope that everyone is going to be enjoying. I've been playing it out. It's been quite fun,
1: really. And how did you come up with the name Hoover Sound? <gasps> so, I'm glad you asked.
0: So basically Hoover Sound, the name, came up when I was uh, working as a digital producer, which was my title, basically, at Mixmag. I was looking for... I basically... To, to give you some context made a video for Mixmag that's still up actually which was detailing a six minute history of the amen break and because of that video and it did really well right i was like i need to find another video that i can work on all this kind of stuff so i was thinking about interesting things that not many people know well they know about but they don't know the history behind found out about the hoover sound and i was like oh my god this is amazing fuck like I didn't know it was called the Hoover Sound. I just knew it as the Hoover, like Hoover yeah, uh, on, on night. So for instance, um on like certain sites I in the Juno. And um, I was like, wow, this makes a great label name. Hoover Sound. Hoover Sound. And I must have messaged Nana whilst I was working. I was like, we were looking for a label name and I was like, Hoover Sound. Do you like that? Like, do you like the name Hoover Sound? And I explained the history behind it. And then she was just like, yeah. So we, we, that's, how our, that's how our minds work. It's just like, if someone has yeah. an idea, it's nine times out of 10, There's going to be a yes behind it. It's very rare that Mm -hmm. we don't really agree on anything. And then we did the logo, we got the logo done um, by uh, an amazing graphic designer. And then, yeah, Hoover Sound just became a thing. And it's a a nice, really lovely, strong name that I hope that people actually, yeah, like yourself, have been able to, why is it called Hoover Sound? And they've typed it in and gone, ah, I see. Yeah. yeah, We actually had our first Hoover go on release for by a private caller who's. really? who's track "You" features the Hoover, and um Okay. so it's quite—I <laughs> don't know. Are we are we're really naming there. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, realize we're naming it. There was not a single Hoover until yeah, release release four. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in
1: 2021, you started Beautiful, which is yes. a really ambitious new plat- uh, multi-platform. Yes. What was the driving idea behind it?
0: I was cussing people on Twitter. If you want the honest truth, I was always honesty. I was, was cussing people on Twitter. I was getting really aggravated, and I just was like, "I need to, I need to do something." And essentially sat down, thinking about what I could potentially do, um, and then also worked out like what kind of shit that gets ke- keeps getting brought up with regards to, you know, um, shit that we basically go through as like black and PSU people, like stuff that almost like has held us back from. Taking down certain institutions or dismantling certain things, and ownership, resources, the educational side of music, uh, you know, generational wealth, uh, all these various different things in which you know some people do, some people do have generational wealth. Okay? Not not everyone is in the same boat, but some people also don't. And I think these are all things in which just piss me off about basically sometimes the, the, how unfair some things can be for people. That for Beautiful, has a platform, I really want to be able to provide resources. So at the moment, the studio for Beautiful, uh, which has been helped by the headphone company, Iii, is being built as we speak, and it's imminently going to be finished. That's for people to use for free. Um, if they're within the Beautiful community or you know, if they reach out and stuff, I want people to go and make some music in there for free so they can free up their money elsewhere if they need to. I put on some, there's an exhibition that we did recently alongside a, a, an amazing um, curation group called Finn Studio. Uh, Kobe was like, the first black curator of the Saatchi, basically here in, in, here in the UK. And we were able to work together to create something in celebration of black and queer culture uh, within the rave scene that's something that people were able to come down to taking all the information, read up about all the amazing people that are like involved, like, you know, Bernice who uh, took pictures of the amazing night um, babes. And also, you know, it's just an amazing photographer, a uh, queer person. And the other side of things is as well as like, obviously releasing compilations, compilations are really nice to do because it just means that people are, are, are able to hear like such an amazing mixture of sounds essentially uh, that are of of, of of black origin essentially mm-hmm. you know um, is you know people like FX zero nine three with their absolute mental trance kind of tune uh you know loyalty that they had on the first compilation might be a different side that people have heard to say for instance a, a black electronic label but I'd I'd wanted to champion that because I don't think we hear many black trance artists <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. and I think I, yeah, I, love, I love all types of music, but I just want to make sure that every time that the compilation does come out, it's really representing a wide range of music that are outside of house and techno and our usual other stomping grounds, such as jungle and, 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 and drum and
1: bass too. So really happy that Beautiful's up. And so what do you hope the impact of Beautiful will be? Like, what are you hoping to achieve with it?
0: All the above of education, providing resources constantly, and like for people to just more people to become a part of the Beautiful community and want Mm -hmm. to be a part of the beautiful community, whether it might be helping with workshops, which I didn't even mention actually being a part of workshops, helping with the academy side of beautiful, um, whether it be a part of helping with the label side of things, studio side of things. But my long-term goal realistically would be to basically own um, a club space via beautiful, which would be whether in London or places like Berlin and Paris, because I think there's a lot of like amazing music scenes that are Black and POC within these cities, if they had, though, the one place that they could definitely trust that would basically vouch and fight for, say, for instance, their scene and cultivating the scene further, I would love mm. to basically be able to to contribute to that. And mm. I think that is des- des- desperately needed, because some of these promoters take the damn piss with regards to not paying the correct amount, amount of money or giving less budget to, to an amazing black and poc run event but then they'll spend so much money on like an event in which isn't for the people if that if that makes sense where it's beautiful i would want to make sure that they've got all the funds in the world to be able to do whatever the fuck they want and it means that those events look completely different to what it would if you've got the budget less like three times less the, the budget of a massive house and
1: techno night which only features stale white men yeah. Yeah. So this is just a side question, because what you were saying you just brought, um, it just made me remember about what, uh, what this, I don't even know this artist named Sarah Farina in Berlin. I do, but right, she was, yeah. yeah. So I was doing a, a talk with her before and, and she was saying that she would really like to start a movement or hoping that there is a movement where artists can share more of their fees and seeing like what people are actually getting paid um from the top to the bottom like what do you think about this idea
0: i'm absolutely all for it because i know how much some people get paid and we're doing the same hour and if some of these people were exposed to how much they're being how much they are being paid considering the ticket prices like are uh completely different we would see a massive difference where i'm i'm i can be considered as like a don't know if what i am considering actually more am i more up and coming or am i now established i'm in that kind of gray area basically fortunate enough to be in that gray area especially after covid but i would love to see what some of my counterparts get because technically i've i do a lot of shows and i'm doing a lot of work but i do imagine that some people are definitely getting paid more or maybe doing less and yeah i you know as a black person or a PSE person you're always taught anyway to work really 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 hard which is bad for the mental health anyway but like I'm kind of game for it some people if they did get shown how much they are getting paid they would people would be like be kicking off I reckon
1: yeah just like an interesting concept I was just really curious now that we're talking about that what your what your opinion was to
0: add obviously because it's based on like ticket sales and how many people you can bring into a place for that if people are selling tickets for x amount of money then then you can bolster, say, for instance, your fee up. However, I do know that, for me, I get really uncomfortable if I see a fee come in, which is, like, in my opinion, astronomical, and I'm like, this doesn't really make sense, because it's nice to know that, obviously, they are willing to to pay that, but I'm uncomfortable because I think to myself, well, I'm only doing X amount of time. They could actually be distributing this money somewhere else to another group of people who could potentially be on the bill with me because I've got an inclusion writer which says I don't want to play on like overwhelmingly white uh, cis male white lineups it's a very strange thing which I know I definitely benefit of but I'm one of the very few uh black and PSC people to maybe be able to benefit of certain certain things but I would be very I would I'm all up for transparency basically so yeah. it'd be quite jokes to see
1: yeah and these inclusion yeah. writers I think are amazing and it's so nice to see more and more artists adopting mm. them
0: Yes, of course, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we definitely need them. I think it will make the
1: scene so much better. basically. Yes. So, going back to beautiful, mm-hmm. um, can you tell me a bit more about the academy and the workshop program?
0: The academy and workshop program basically is going to be myself um, and some of the people that I, that help me with with beautiful, which is basically like only the only black and PSC members of my management team, which is basically pretty much everyone apart from two people um, but basically uh we are going to get together and essentially choose an amazing amount of uh artists uh our goal. Arts, in my view it would be uh, a widespread of people within the music industry so whether it be artists or just creatives in general who can't necessarily label their work per se um managers and agents and essentially those groups of people we want to get in to have lectures and also practical lessons to understand like music scene a little bit more i want to share stuff about business music business and like when you might need to change over to a limited company and here in the uk or uh, whether you can be a sole trader and and how to do your taxes or that all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and whatnot So a lot of information just, just doesn't get shared and again it is down to generational wealth uh, some people are not necessarily told and taught about taxes and all this kind of stuff might not necessarily have a parent that is self-employed how to best uh, manage your money, how to do all of that kind of stuff. That's just mm. one lesson, by the way. Um, there's other lessons which are down in, in, in production um, and other lessons which are really detailing history and how things have been erased, have been whitewashed, and actually how now can we celebrate our history uh, with within with stuff. So the Academy um take a group of people essentially essentially um, really look after them, give them all the contacts that they need. Like, like I was able to get via represent radio who basically did a similar thing when they had the XX down uh, to the radio station as a part of like a massive week takeover. Um, and I was able to meet Jesse Lanza, which I never thought I'd be able to meet Jesse Lanza, you know I mean? but I was, oh, wow. I was able to be able to have yeah. her like on my show at the time, which is still up actually on my SoundCloud. So you can listen to the difference in my voice there. <laughs> <laughs> and the music as well, actually, but is, it's very different too, but, yeah, the academy workshops are there to yeah again serve as giving resources and education to people uh, to make sure that they are just really geared up with things. Basically, that's that's pretty much what
1: I would really want. And how important is it for you to be you know a strong voice for your community? Oh, it's very well, that's,
0: I have to be because I feel like yeah. in parts I don't. I do have a choice. Like I do, I, I do have a choice. I could I could just stop talking about things but I don't want to because I just feel like there's no point. Um, I don't know. I'm in a fortunate enough position to be able to get paid to go and play places and take the sounds that I play to bigger, to bigger places. I might as well, okay. whilst I'm here, be able to talk about uh, other, other, other things in which I'm really, you know, I, I find really important, which is, is, is basically allowing for some level of equality for, like, me as a, as a, as a Black woman. Um, but then also other other people within the, the, the LGBTQI uh, a, a field, especially when it comes to like trans acts and artists who still need that level of bolstering up in comparison to cis mm. cis ones as well. And yeah, it, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to talk about these things. It obviously, t- it is taxing, can be emotionally taxing to constantly think yeah. about yourself as a as an entity, as it were. But mm-hmm. um, the rewards that you get from it are, are far, are far greater, basically.
1: I really, I can really relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, so far, you know, you've, you've been in the industry for kind of a relatively short period of time, but you've really accomplished like so much, yes. but I can imagine for you, this is really only the beginning. Yes. <laughs> what else is on your list to conquer? <laughs> um, it's quite scary when looking at certain things. Um, I, mean, I try not mm-hmm. to,
0: like low key, try not to remember certain things because it's again, it like can affect maybe like your work. Uh, yeah, work basically. I think you're like, oh my god, yeah, we've done that, we've done this, and like you start to like overthink things. Basically, um, it is. It is only just the beginning. And I really want to do so much more. Um, in t- in terms of really the the list and the long t- long uh, long term list, I should say, is more about. Releasing a long form project, which is basically what I was insinuating about an earlier in our conversation, which I would like to discuss DJing within it, and like my side as a DJ, and then the side of the the punter, as it were. But that's yeah. to, just, that's to be t- to be continued. And I think the beautiful clubs are very much a thing that I've set my focus on at the moment. I just want to keep playing amazing sets, really keep doing, like, really lovely stages, keep releasing more music and stop being so precious with how it sounds and stuff and, like, actually get it out. I really just want to be able to cause change within things, at least how people think about stuff, especially, like... So I'm quite fortunate to have, like, a mixed group of people who obviously take my stuff in. I really want to make sure that the work that I'm doing does get to, say, for instance allies as it were or white people because I want them to take it in they, they are the people that very much can change this I, I don't think it sometimes always has should fall on us basically I think if they can see something's wrong if there's something that they can see that they can help with they should and I think I'm fortunate enough to be able to speak very openly about these things and people not to be getting their backs up about it I mean if they do I don't really give a fuck anyway but like it's one of those things where like it's nice to be able to be explain yourself well enough even though i go on tangents that people get it and they're not and they're not like oh well you know it's very rare i've had like an instance with some with someone they've been like well you know i don't agree with you thinking about just owning space and on just for black and queer people like people are like oh actually yeah fair so i just want people to back it basically especially the white people essentially if they get it they can see it they can also activate the change essentially a lot of the shit that we're having to fight against has been done by white people so it's like <laughs> Jerry, it's, it's kind of changing that and and, and, and going against that really um, yeah building building more communities has it well and just growing gr- growing
1: growing, and having some form of growth for myself personally outside of music as well I think that's what I'm Great. after. I look forward to following your career and hopefully we can meet again yes.
0: Oh my god yes but this time in person it would be really nice to yes. uh, touch base. Thank you for being patient I feel like the interview or as such has been organized uh, for quite a long time so thank you very much for having me
1: i feel like when things like this happen it's really whenever it happens it's really the right moment for it to happen and i think this was the perfect day and moment and yeah i really i'm really happy to speak with you today and um yeah thank you thank you for being with us Mm Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thoroughly appreciated the conversation with this very inspiring and multi-talented artist. If you like, there are many other Electronic Beats podcast episodes that you can find on the usual podcast platforms. We would love for you to check them out and subscribe, or leave us some feedback on our social media channels. Till next time.